what is up guys july 9th 2020 freedom sound podcast um for those of you that don't know um please check out the blog we got a blog going on our freedom cry that's o-u-r freedom cry dot blogspot dot com we could use all the support we could get uh, very grateful for any support we do get and uh yeah so um as the title shows um medic Vacations in form of meditations. Two very similar words. Two very, very important things. Um, for me, meditation is a form of um, medication. <laughs> and it's my morning medication. It's what gets my day grounded, as I've discussed prior to this episode. And what I want to start to break down is this huge stigma that um, meditation is only for, let's say, the spiritually enlightened or the spiritually awakened. Um, I think a lot of people think um, the only people that meditate properly um, are monks. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people, when you hear them um, talk, oh, I can't meditate. I'm not able to meditate. I'm not able to sit for more than, let's say, one to two minutes and my mind starts going elsewhere. Well, I hate to break, actually, I don't hate to break it to you. I love to break it to you that your mind goes elsewhere and that's exactly what's supposed to happen. Um, and the goal there is when your thoughts do, for me, you know, this is, I will speak from personal experience, when your thoughts do start to, to come into play, you meet them with compassion, you recognize them, and I continue to count my breath. So, um... I wanted to kind of start this episode off by saying um, that meditation is something that is done in multiple different cultures, multiple different religions, and so many different people that do have a spiritual way of life meditate. Um, yoga is one of the oldest and most ancient forms of meditation. It's a beautiful form of meditation, um, something I do as well. Um, there's kundalini meditation. Um, there's metta meditations, which are loving-kindness practices, um, imagining um, someone you love, imagining someone you don't so much get along with, and sending compassion their way, um, imagining a group of people and sending compassion their way. Um, all these practices kind of make day-by-day -day life a little bit easier and help you to view people and view um, things you approach throughout your day in a different way. Sorry, I gotta, I got to quench the old thirst. I always do this. Yeah, it's meta practice. Um, uh, that's a Buddhist. Um, that's a Buddhist form of meditation. Metta um, Sutra means loving kindness practice, and um, it's a very, very big thing in in the Buddhist spiritual way of life. So, um, you know, like I talked about in my last episode with um, some morning routines, waking up, um, hydrating, and then for me going into that meditation practice um, is so important. Um, for me, I sit in the standard um, lotus position, um, my, my palms facing up, resting on my knees, um, my back straight, my spine straight, you know, not, not too stiff, but, you know, um, let's say calm yet alert. Um, I, I, I drop my shoulders, I, I align my back, and I close my eyes. And, you know, when I first start my meditation 
And when I first started my meditative practice, um, like many others, it was extremely hard to quiet my mind, you know, um, extremely hard. So, you know, I'll explain more about that later and I'll explain um, what my goal for meditation is. But um, to get back to my sitting practice is lotus, hands on knees, palms up, fingers outward, relaxed, shoulders relaxed, spine straight, head up, eyes closed. And it's almost as if a string is attached to the top of your skull and it's pulling you up. And my buttocks um, are rooted to the ground. And I imagine my energy is just rooted to the ground. And there's a string of energy coming out of the top of my head going up to um, the sky or the heavens or the source. Um, for me, meditation is all about connecting to the source, um, my creator and being able to, um, in some form of another, listen and be guided. Therefore, I can continue on with the rest of my day. Um, so when I do meditate, I close my eyes, as I said. I breathe in. I get one big breath out, and I start to count. And with every count is one, I breathe in, I breathe out. That's one breath, one breath in and out. Then I go to two, so on, until I hit eight. And when I hit eight, I breathe in three times. I release, and then I count back down from eight, okay? So, when I first started my meditative practice, um, I dibbed and dabbled in many different forms of meditation. Um, guided meditations, open eye meditations, um, walking meditation, which is beautiful. It's a beautiful practice, something I still try to do here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I just dabbled in many, many different forms of meditation until I found um, this form that works for me. And I do it um, two to three times a day. The morning one for me is the longest period of meditation. Um, I like to have um, a midday meditation when I have time. And for me, that's kind of restarting and recharging myself for the rest of the day. Um, I think America view, well, not just America, I'm sorry, uh, society and culture in general views lunch as, oh, a lunch break, and then I got to go on to the rest of my day, and it's this, this, this painful experience. For me, and for many others, and, and people that I've learned from, and my teachers, um, Lunch break is, is a time to almost quiet the mind as if you're going going to sleep and waking up fully recharged, waking up um, with, a, with a little bit more enlightenment, um, awakening the soul for the rest of the day. Therefore, you can continue onwards and be the best person you can be. Um, so, like I, like I said in the beginning, and I had mentioned this, many people have a stigma against meditation you have to be some sort of in, in, in a religious hierarchy or you have to be a person of power, of spiritual power. And for me, um, those don't go hand in hand. Um, spirituality and, and power, um, I, I usually don't associate those two words with each other. But what I do, um, what I do know is that if you are someone that, let's say, it's hard for you to get through your day. You know, you wake up 
it's like, oh fuck, you know, I gotta go through, I gotta, I gotta go through the motions. It's like walking through fucking deep muddy water. You just don't want to do whatever you're doing next throughout your day, and it's painful, and you're suffering. And another Buddhist philosophy is all people do suffer, but there are things you can do to make your day easier, and hopefully over time, with a, a, a meditative practice, you're able to kind of wake up, wake up that internal spiritual mind, and you can start to enjoy the things you do much more. I believe meditation before work um, makes your shift, or sitting behind that desk, or you know, roofing, or landscaping, or whatever you do, it makes it that much easier, um, that much more, um, I want maybe not enjoyable, <coughs> excuse me, but maybe easier to deal with if you have a hard time when you're at work. Another huge reason um, I got into meditation um, is because of my, my alcoholism and addiction. And, you know, in a lot of 12-step programs, they do talk about um, meditation and prayer. Um, prayer is, is a subject for another episode, but um, that is mentioned. And, and they do say that meditation does help. A lot of addicts and alcoholics and sex addicts and compulsive gamblers and whatever they are, it helps them to recover from their, from their hopeless state. And um, it it did it 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 has helped me and it has um, put so much light and good energy into this journey that I'm um, this journey that I'm on. Excuse me, and this path that I'm walking on. Um, and I know that it will continue to do so. And I've seen it help countless other people on their path. Um, a big, uh, Another big reason for meditation is the mindfulness aspect. This is what I was getting to. I kind of went down a rabbit hole there. But this is what I was getting to is that um, another reason I really started picking up on meditative practices is because it helps to enhance your mindfulness throughout the day, hands down. Um, we go through our days a lot of time um, not even realizing what's really going on you know we're just we're just another it's like it's like um, herding cattle we're all just going through the day work then I go to the gym after work then I come home then I shower make food um, you know, it's it's like chores. It's like you're doing chores all day. You're not even mindful of the beauty, the fucking beauty, people, that you're surrounded with throughout the day. Um, being mindful of how you treat others. Um, when things happen in the office or things happen, um, you know, if you're an athlete, things happen on the field. You, you don't get along with a teammate. A situation arises where you're, you're butting heads with someone. Be mindful of, that, of the fact that that person might be going through something that um, is hurting them and it's causing them to act out and it's causing them to react to your action, you know? Um, the beautiful thing about meditation is that it helps you to respond as opposed to react to a situation, right? Something occurs, um, you, feel, you feel combated and then you react, boom! And all of a sudden, there's that 
fucking grenade of tension, discomfort, irritability, anger, aggression, all these things, instead of maybe if you're, you're implementing meditative practices in your life, a situation occurs and you say, damn, this happened. How do I approach it? What am I to do about it? You meet it with compassion and hopefully you solve the issue or it simmers down a little bit, right? Um, and if you continue to, to be mindful when, when these negative things occur, then you might even realize that all in all, maybe the situation itself wasn't completely negative. Maybe the situation happened, therefore you could be mindful and grow from it. And that's how I try to look at a lot of things now because um, let me tell you, when I was in my active alcoholism and I was in my active rage and I was letting trauma eat me up and spit me out, I was not mindful of the human being slash monster I was, right? I would go through my day without realizing the amount of pain I brought to people, the miserable cloud that was over my head just constantly pouring down raindrops of fucking anger um, misery shame guilt just internal bondage my soul was chained right and meditation has helped to free me from this internal fucking bondage and I could go on and on about how I was acting when I was in this current state, right? So anyone that needs substance to get through their day is probably in a lot of pain. And and whether that's from trauma, um, for all I know, you grew up in a, in a, in a great household, but still that, that internal engine is just out of gas and you don't know how to deal with situations and, and, and everything seems like it's just fucked. You know, that's all I can, that's the only way I can put it because I've been through it and it's so terrible that I, I can't even put words to it. But, you know, this, the, you know, being mindful really helps you to just realize how you're acting as a person. Um, and you'll notice, like, um, if you're sitting down with someone that also practices a spiritual way of life. Usually the conversations you're having with them are very uplifting. I mean, there could be conversations that are not so uplifting. I mean, don't get me wrong. But, you know, nine times out of ten, you're having a conversation with someone that also practices a spiritual way of life. Um, there's going to be a severe lack of judgment, a severe lack of, let's say, ego, pride, all these things. And, and you see the beauty of these practices and how they affect other people. Um, it's great, you know. I uh, I learned from some of the there when I was living in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, I was struggling. I was really struggling for a period of time, and um, I came across a man. Uh, his name's Peter M. I won't say his his last name, but Peter M. And uh, when this man, he's one of those guys that when he walks in the room, you feel this beautiful presence, right? Um, a, a very strong and almost stern presence, but there's a beautiful presence to him. And uh, this is a prime example of a person practicing a very disciplined and spiritual way of life. 
And this man taught me and introduced me um, not only to actual people, well, I'm not going to say actual people, um, people that are still alive and let's say more laymen, but he introduced me to the teachings of, you know, Thomas Merton, um, Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, The Four Agreements, amazing book. If you haven't read that book, check it out. Also check out The Fifth Agreement. Um, wow. Um, also introduced me to Eckhart Tolle and, um, you know, Anthony DeMello, all these great, great spiritual men. And um, you could see that what Peter learned from these men um, definitely had a profound and beautiful impact on his life. And therefore, he was able to give away what was what was um, given to him. And, you know, when you would have a conversation with Peter, um, if he felt that you were doing something wrong or uncalled for, or you were maybe possibly hurting someone else with your actions, you know, he wouldn't approach you in the way of, what the fuck are you doing? Stop doing this. Um... You know, he would approach you in the, and it would really make you think for a sec. It would kind of, you, you would kind of feel like you just lost a battle. You know, with a, you're a one-man army fighting a huge battalion and you just lost. Um, and he would kind of approach you with the, have you maybe considered that this person is acting out from pain? Um, and they don't know how to communicate. Um to you that they're in pain so they're acting out maybe in a verbally aggressive manner or even possibly a physically aggressive manner um like and the way he would he would state these things would really make you think and that's where you know the mindfulness aspect kicks in is that when when a man like peter um gets into a conflict i'm i'm a hundred percent sure that he approaches that conflict with compassion and he says, uh, you know, not out loud. I'm sure not every conflict he approaches, he says out loud, ooh, I'm going to meet this with compassion. But internally, I'm sure he says, wow, um, it, it hurts me to see that this situation is arising. But how can I be mindful of it? And how can I meet this problem with love and compassion? And, you know, you could see that this spiritual practice and the spiritual way of life um, worked for him. I would consider him an awakened man. Um, so, yeah, he, you know, when he would talk about his meditative practices, it was just so beautiful. It was like music to the ears to listen to what he had to say. You know, he would start his mornings off. You know, he, he he's a Catholic man. And um, he would start his mornings off at the altar in his house he had an altar and he would start off there you know on his knees um praying to his creator and then he would go into these 30 minute bouts of meditation where he would sit and he would talk about this and he was uh he was very big on meditation and and i learned so much from this man and um you know peter if you do hear this episode um, personally, I want to thank you for all the things that you taught me because you have had a golden impact on my life. Um, so yeah, I mean, mindfulness in general is a, is another huge reason that I started um, to meditate because I was lacking, lacking so much mind. Um, another big reason is 
you know, I read a book by Thomas Merton, actually because of Peter, and he talks about that um, love and compassion. Meditation is love and compassion. And, you know, during my addiction and during my alcoholism, for so long, people tried to help me, right? And for so long, people would approach me with love. Um, Stephen, what can we do to help? Stephen, um, what's wrong? You know, I'd go to a, a rehab center or a, or a sober living home, and, and I, I just wasn't willing to change. And these people, over time, a lot of times my family, my, my beautiful family, um, amazing people, um, the, the love and compassion is always there. But the approach with love and compassion change, changes a little bit into anger. And, of course, the irritability and, of course, fear, right? Because when someone's in active addiction and alcoholism, fear is they're going to die. They're going to get hurt. You know, they're going to get involved with a drug deal or they're going to get hit by um, um, a drunk driver or they're going to be the drunk driver, right? So, you know, their approach to me was love and compassion turned into irritability and anger, of course, bound to happen. But my approach back was complete anger and denial and confusion about who I was as a person, always getting high, right? Um, and, and I didn't know how to love back because I didn't know how to love myself. And the beautiful thing about meditation is that when you sit in silence with yourself, and you're aware of who you are after after a while. You know, you sit there and you, you, you feel your own presence. If that presence is coming right out of a dirty situation or a, or a bad situation, it's a murky presence. And a lot of times you're not even able to sit there with yourself. You know, this is where the, oh, I can't meditate thing kicks in because you're not able to sit there because you can't stand to be alone with yourself, because you don't love yourself. So in meditative practices, when you're sitting with yourself and you're breathing and you're counting your breath and you're counting back down, and, and with visionary meditations, you imagine yourself healthy, complete, and whole, right? And then you realize that this imagining is actually a reality. You are healthy, complete, and whole. And you do deserve to be loved. And you do deserve to have good people in your life. But also, people deserve to be treated with love and respect from you. And that was big for me. Because when I was able to distinguish the difference between love from people and me loving others, it was big. So, um... You know, that's a, that's another um, that's another big thing. Is the loving yourself, right? Getting getting to learn to sit with yourself and be comfortable with yourself. Therefore, you can be love loving and compassionate to others. Um, you know, also when you when you are um, when you're meditating. Um, you know, like in yoga, in the yogic, uh, yogic form of meditation, you're doing physical activity and you're learning to, you're learning to, um, 
be okay with pain, right? And breathe during pain. If, if a yoga position is hard or difficult and you're shaking, a lot of times when you start a yoga practice, you start to shake during a hard hold because your body's not used to it, right? Your muscles are, are, are cramping up and they don't know how to handle what you're doing. So your body, therefore, starts to shake. Um, and um, physically, yoga um, as a meditative practice not only makes you physically strong, but makes you learn how to deal with pain. And in life, so much of many of our lives are filled with pain and painful situations. And how do we approach them? We approach them with fear. And in the in the yoga practice, um, you know, you, you learn how to breathe, connect with your body, and realize that this pain is impermanent, right? Another big Another big Buddhist thing, like impermanence, nothing in this world lasts forever. So when you're holding that position and you're breathing and you're connecting your body with your mind and you're meeting the pain with compassion, you can carry that on into your daily life, right? I'm not saying, oh, let's go around town doing yoga, you know, fucking doing yoga in the middle of the street and uh, someone comes up to you and says something stupid. Well, look, motherfucker, I'm doing yoga. Nothing you can say can hurt me. No, I'm saying that you, you take the idea of meeting pain with compassion with whatever you're doing or whatever you're going through um, during your day. You know, that's a really that's a really beautiful thing, being able to do that and, and knowing that um, fear is not kicking in. Um, and if it is kicking in, you're mindful of it and you as well can meet fear with compassion. Um, Aubrey Marcus, who's a podcaster, an author, an athlete, um, author of On It, um, great supplements, uh, a lot of naturopathic approach to living healthy, and um, uh, he's a wellness guru. He's a modern-day wellness guru. Um, he is a huge motivator for me. Um, I've read his literature. Um, I think I talked about him in the last episode, Rambling with the Side of Intro, and uh, I talked about his morning cocktail of um, Himalayan pink sea salt, water, and lemon juice, um, all those things she does to implement um, good practices and having a good, good day. Um, you know, he talks about that fear is a virus, right? And um, my last reason I'm going to talk about why I got into meditative practice is because um, how do I approach fear? Um, and I'll tell you, take a guess. The answer is compassion and love, right? Fear is a virus. And what he means by that is if I'm a fearful person and I'm going through my day with fear, people feel that, right? Prime example, especially during times like this, we got COVID-19 going on. And in the town I'm in, Prescott, Arizona, or Prescott, to those who aren't local, um, you know, the, the, the number of people um, with corona is low. Uh, Yavapai County is low compared to, I believe, second in the nation right now, Maricopa, which is about an hour and 45 to two hours away from me. Um, I can only imagine the amount of fear going on in the Phoenix Tri-Area. And, um, you know, one person has fear, 
the next person feels that energy, that fearful energy. Therefore, they start to get more fearful. Now, I'm not saying caution. Caution is extremely important. But caution and fear don't always have to be the same thing. You can practice safety, caution, and respect to what's going on because it's, it can be greater than you, right? But fear makes you act out in ways that you do not want to. And it is not beneficial to being safe when you act out in those stupid ways, right? Because fear creates chaos. Chaos creates aggression and violence, right? And I think we've seen a lot of this going on in this present day. And, um, you know, the looting and all these things. And I won't get into the things behind it. Um, I support all peaceful protests, right? But I wouldn't say I completely support um, uh, a violence. I don't support at all violence and looting and things like this. But I do support, and I will say this with a firm, firm base, I support peaceful protests. If you want to be peaceful and stand up for what you believe in, by all means do so, people. Because that is a beautiful way of getting a message across. But if you are acting out in fear and you are protesting with violence and you are hurting others and other people fear, feel that feel the fear, <laughs> if other people feel that fear, how do they act out? They act out in violence. And what does that create in our towns, our cities, our states, our country, worldwide? That creates chaos. And do we really want to add to the chaos going on right now in this world? No. So what do we do? We learn, again, meditative practice. We sit. We count. We breathe. We become accustomed with this fear. We get to know this fear. We look at it in the eyes and we say, hey. Hypothetically, we say, hey, fear, check this out. I get why you're here because you tend to visit often. But today is not the day, motherfucker. With much love, Stephen. <laughs> and I'm sure that fear is going to say, he's going to bite back a little bit. You know, hypothetically, it's going to be a little little boxing match with you and fear. But if you learn how to approach this in a loving, kind way, the fear is going to slowly start to fade, right? The fear is going to slowly start to fade. And people, you know, after a couple of days, are going to notice, look, this guy, he's not acting how he usually acts. There's a presence to him. There's a peaceful presence. And just as fear is a virus, one's internal serenity reflected outwards as well is not a virus, but it is extremely contagious in a beautiful way. So, I want you guys to think about that one for a little bit. Um, like Aubrey Marcus said, fear is a virus. And... Uh, like I said, that's that's another main big reason I approached the spiritual way of life. And I said, hey, I'm going to do this. Now, one last thing before I sign off and I let you guys go. I want to read this. Um, it's called Symptoms of Inner Peace. I actually was on the phone with my, my amazing father the other day. And I, I had read this. And my father is a... Um, 
he's a retired psychologist, PhD in psychologist, um, amazing man, um, amazing father, amazing husband, and uh, has has helped me to grow so much in my journey. Um, and he's just an amazing. I, I could talk about my father for six episodes and still not cover half of the 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 beauty this man this man contains within and outwards. Um, so here is here is something I want to read. It's called Symptoms of Inner Peace. We had a little laugh over this because it's it's great. You know, it's funny, but it's so fucking true. Symptoms of Inner Peace. Watch for these signs of peace. Many hearts have already been exposed. It could reach epidemic proportions. Ugh, maybe not the right timing for that wording, but look, check it out. One, an unmistakable ability to enjoy each moment. Two, loss of interest in judging others. Three, loss of interest in judging self. Four, loss of interest in interpreting actions of others. Five, loss of interest in conflict. Six, loss of ability to worry. Very serious symptom, it says in quotes. Frequent overwhelming episodes of appreciation. Contented feelings of connectedness with others in nature. That's my shit right there, the nature part. Frequent attacks of smiling through the eyes from the heart. Tendency to let things happen rather than make them happen. That's dope. Tendency to think and act spontaneously rather than from fear based on past experiences. What the fuck is that? Well, that's another one. Past experiences bring you fear of the present. Susceptibility to love extended by others as well as the uncontrollable urge to extend love. Fuck yeah. Dot, dot, dot. If you have all or most of the above symptoms, be advised that your condition of peace may be incurable. If you are exposed to anyone exhibiting these symptoms, remain exposed at your own risk. These conditions of peace are likely infectious. Now, I know, guys, that uh, this shit doesn't happen overnight, right? A lot of people don't have the patience to live a spiritual life, but I will tell you this. If you start to live a spiritual life, maybe you will be able to gain patience and you will learn how to be patient. You know, it was awesome sitting here talking to you guys about meditation for 30 minutes. Um, you know, this is a, I didn't even cover 2% of meditative practice, but, um, you know, my next episode, I want to break down symptoms of inner peace. We got Brandon G coming on next episode. It's going to be great. Hope you guys have a badass rest of the day. Amazing rest of the week, even though you'll hear from me before then, before the end of the week, which is tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, if you or someone else is interested in podcasting and starting a podcast, Anchor.fm is a great podcast host. Good at getting the job done. Good for trimming, editing, publishing, all the above. Again, that's anchor.fm for all your podcast wants and needs. <laughs> like, that's it. Everyone have a good day and stay crushing.